Hi, you're listening to the Full Stack Educator Podcast. We provide relevant resources to new and aspiring independent school leaders to help you grow, succeed at work, and have a positive impact on the lives of students. I'm Michael. And I'm Matt. On this podcast, we have insightful conversations with leaders from across all areas of independent school education. Marketing, branding, social media presence, and more are crucial to the success of an independent school and increasingly vital to aspiring leaders while they're building their career. Managing your personal brand or simply sharing the brand message of your school can be a daunting task. Mary Martin is the founder of Lyft Communications, a communications consulting firm serving small nonprofits across causes such as human trafficking, mental health, special needs, and women's leadership. She is also managing editor of Dallas Doing Good, a local media company focused on the best people doing the best work in North Texas. Today, we will hear from Mary Martin as she shares her creative process for storytelling and gives us wisdom on how to tackle marketing on any platform. Let's listen. Mary, hi. I'm so glad you're here today. Thanks for being willing to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Of course, it. Michael. This is a joy. I love the concept of this podcast. Thanks. I'm excited about it. I think, uh, I think it'll be a helpful resource for people. So um, let's jump right in. We're going to be talking to you today about brand management and marketing. And so my first question for you is, how do you think about brand management? And when it comes to you know, clients coming to you and wanting help, uh, walk me through uh, your thought process. Yeah, thanks. I work majoritively with small nonprofits, like really small nonprofits. Uh, and so a lot of times people are coming to me and they are stuck somewhere. So my first question is usually, how can I help you get unstuck? So wherever that pain point is, whether it's social media or email list, or maybe they're just not sure if I have enough content to even get things out on the internet, or maybe it's their website. I'm always looking for the place like, okay, let's fix the like biggest pain point first. Where are you feeling super overwhelmed? Um, and sometimes it's a really simple fix. And then we can think about sort of bigger vision and branding strategy and things like that. But I like to fix uh, the thing that's on fire first. <laughs> yeah. um, and then everything I'm working on is centering on a really clear repeatable, sticky kind of message. And then we adjust that for each channel. So your social, your email, your website, um, events even. So that same message carries across everything. So as long as you have a super clear, repeatable message, that's what I'm after. And then I really want to make sure that people have the right tools for the job. A lot of people are just brand new to even thinking about things in a marketing kind of way. Um, and it can feel overwhelming, but if you have the right tools, that really, really helps. That's a really great fit for our listeners who are mostly independent school leaders. And independent schools are, a majority of them are nonprofits and are also, I think, what you would consider relatively small. And so I think uh, what you have to share today will definitely be super relevant for them. Yeah. Um, and also, what I've seen with nonprofits is that everyone is wearing a ton of different hats. So it's not absolutely. like we have a dedicated like social media manager who's just for their organization. Like you have to be a very big organization to actually have that role. And so how can we plan this out and make a really clear strategy that's a lot of the work is done in advance. A lot of those little decisions are made in advance so that people aren't getting like 
daily decision fatigue, trying to figure out what to put on their Facebook page. Yeah, I've definitely been there before. That makes sense. So you mentioned that you help people get unstuck and sort of get a a simple, sticky, repeatable message. Um, Can you share some practical questions that a person can ask or an organization can ask themselves to identify what that message, that sticky message might be? Yeah. So a lot of people will say like, oh, well, I have a mission statement. <laughs> I, have, I have a vision <laughs> statement. And I'm like, great, put it on a plaque and hang it up in your conference room. <laughs> but most of the time, mission statements and vision statements are great for board documents, but not great for like central messaging. And so what I say is, okay, maybe we can pull some things from that mission statement, but let's sort of start from scratch. I usually have a giant whiteboard in front of me and I say, okay, give me your elevator pitch and I'm going to sort of pull keywords. You know, if somebody says, what do you do? You know, tell me exactly what you do in your words and let's pull out some like key words and phrases that sort of stick out to me. And then we sort of make a list of about 10 or 15 of those little phrases um, to put everything around. We sort of build off of that big list. And I tell a lot of people, hey, like once we sort of get this list defined, you know, we scratch out some, we're like, oh, that, maybe not. Maybe that's not exactly what we do. So we get a really good defined list of like these keywords. And then I say, well, like, okay, write this down, like laminate it, put it next to your computer. And because we're going to build all of our copywriting around these phrases, we're going to say these phrases and words over and over and over and use them in all of our copy that we're writing um, and all of the videos that you're producing, everything where there's like any kind of words, we're using these words over and over and over. And I tell clients, you might start to feel a little crazy. You're like, people must know what I do by now because I have said these words (laughs) so many times. And I'm like, I promise you, they have not heard it as much as you're saying it. So you need to keep saying it until it sounds, you know, almost like ridiculous to you. (laughs) And that's when it's like, okay, maybe we've reached the point of saturation where people actually understand what you do and they can repeat it because one of the biggest things I'm trying to do is how can we get the people who say, they're like, yeah, what you do is a great cause, or I love your school, or yes, or the families that are there. You know, they love what you're doing, but can they tell your story for you? Like you need supporters to be storytellers. And so if you have not empowered the people around you to like get these words like super clear and super sticky, then they can't tell your story for you and you're, you're losing out because they're interacting with people every single day. And so that like sort of on the ground network of people, it's everything starts with these keywords. And so that's always where I do that. That's super interesting. And it almost seems like, so I've worked with a number of schools where they not only have that issue externally with parents and people in the community, but also with faculty, you can walk in and administrators all know the mission statement for a school, but you ask a faculty member or an employee and you get, you know, like 10 different answers for what the school's mission is. So this also seems really relevant, not only for external marketing and, and, and branding, but also clarifying internally what your message is. Yes. And I actually learned this trick from an organizational development coach I was working with. And so we were sort of, I was there doing social media stuff and he was there doing organizational development. And I was like, oh, if we're not all on the same page and telling the same story, then nobody's going to remember what we do and nobody's going to believe us. So just trying to avoid confusion. (laughs) Yeah. The next question is, what do you do every single day that impacts people long-term? So instead of thinking about only big picture or only like micro level daily tasks, we want to get to the meat of the story, which is what am I doing every single day that's making a long-term impact? Um, So that's a really good question to ask, especially when you're in a serving or helping kind of organization. 
you're helping people, but what are you doing every single day that's sort of building up to helping people long-term? And for schools, that can be, you know, just as simple as, you know, we are in the classroom every single day and we're building toward uh, students being successful in college and career, you know, yeah. but we want to make sure that those are those questions and those answers are really simplified um, and there's some words wrapped around them. And then one uh, creative thing that I like to do, and uh, I'm a writer at heart, and so this comes a little easier for me, but I've started to think about how marketing copy can have some of the same restraints as poetry. Oh, that's interesting. And so the reason that poems are so impactful and have so much mental and emotional weight to them is because they've been ha they have creative constraints around them. You can't use 1,200 words, or I mean, I guess some poems have 1,200 words, but, you know, really when we're talking about like these small bits of creative information, how can we think about that and say, okay, I'm only going to give myself 15 words to say the most about what I do that impacts people. Um, so maybe try putting some creative constraints around there and try to come up with the most creative, beautiful words you can uh, to say the strongest thing that you do, um, rather than using sort of you know, I think writing teachers refer to them as like, you know, like lazy words, you know, um, but let, <laughs> let's find the, like the best word to really describe fully what we do. That's really neat. I love yeah, exactly. That. Also, I mean, Twitter is the sort of the same concept, right? People right. have gotten very creative with Twitter with 280 characters, you know, used to be 140, which I was sort of bummed uh, because I was like, oh, we, people don't need 280 characters. Like, we, can, <laughs> we can keep doing it. But people have gotten so creative in how they express themselves, how they tell stories with this like limited amount of character use. And so yeah. we can sort of channel that a little bit when we're thinking about creating like the simplest, most direct message that is easy to repeat because if it gets, if it gets too long, you're right. People are not remembering it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So once people identify, you know, the, their, their message and they clarify it, uh, what's next? What do you do with it? So really super practical is telling people you can't do it all. <laughs> so you cannot be on every single <laughs> channel, every single social media. You don't need to be on like, Pinterest and TikTok and, you know, all of the various <laughs> Snapchat and, and Facebook and LinkedIn. And, you know, you have to pick the three, I, I usually tell people about three, three most effective channels for where people are. So finding, you know, okay, like we know our, our parents are going to be on Facebook and, you know, uh, YouTube is really important to us because we have a lot of video content and LinkedIn, you know, we have, you know, some professionals that we need to connect with some alumni or something like that. And so we really want to choose at least, especially when you're first starting out, like pick your three spots, like what makes the most sense for you. And then this, I do not count this as a channel, but your email list is sort of like that fourth thing. Um, mm -hmm. Your email list and your messaging through email, how you're communicating with people on what regular basis you're sending out emails is something that you really need to consider, especially right now, a lot of um, marketing movement is heading toward email. Um, and that's not necessarily traditional emails. People have, again, gotten really creative with how they're emailing people. Um, and there's a lot of new systems out there that allow you to do a lot of interesting uh, targeting and automation um, with how you reach people through email. Um, when I'm seeing like really good ROI and people, you know, actually engaging with you and responding back to your emails or clicking through to read what you've created or purchasing something that you've created. 
a lot of that is much more effective in the email platform. So uh, go and take an email course or um, you know, start you know, watching all the YouTube videos for your email platform and really uh, dig deep there because I think it's going to be very effective for people who are first starting out. That's cool. I wonder if that might be even counterintuitive to some people who feel like you know, there's all these amazing social media platforms out there and then thinking about email. But that's really interesting. And I've seen a lot of different services pop up for email. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems like a big thing right now. It is. And also the thing about email is that you own your email. <laughs> With social media, you don't, you know, once you put it out on Twitter, it's Twitter, it belongs to Twitter, it belongs to the Twitter universe, you know? Yeah. Um, but with your email, it's much more personal and you really own your content and you own your audience um, from an email platform. You can, you know, legally do whatever you want you yeah. know, with those emails, you know? Um, and so it makes a lot more sense for people who are trying to grow an actual following of people, people who trust them. Um, email makes a lot of sense for that kind of space. And you can get a lot more information into an email and you have a lot of more creativity space in an email. Um, so I would just, yeah, definitely investigate into what it looks like for your audience to have your sort of first touch point be email. And then all the other things sort of support that. Um, I've seen some people sort of say like, oh, I'm on Facebook. I don't really need to be emailing people or, oh, everyone gets so many emails every day. They don't want to hear from me. But I know that there are emails that I wait on the edge of my seat for, you know, like yeah. you send out me a really great email once a month. And I am just like, cannot wait for that email to hit my inbox. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it's going to be so good. <laughs> yeah, so that's awesome. There's definitely ways to do that well. And then also, I mean, the third step is a little bit less practical, but it just goes back to making sure that your core people around you are feeling empowered. So that if you create a beautiful message, you need to share it with your people. So whether that's your board or your teachers or whoever that is, make sure that they really understand, you know, those keywords and that messaging and why that they aren't just, you know, saying, oh, here's like another mission statement or like, you know, here's some more words, yeah. but they understand why we're using these words and why these words are important. And that if we're all on the same page, what a huge amount of power that can have. One of my favorite examples of this is Tom's Shoes. You know, this is way back. And I remember hearing um, Blake speak, who's the you know, founder of Tom's. And I heard him very early on speak. And he said, I knew Tom's was going to work when I was walking through the airport. And this teenage girl came up to me and saw my shoes. And she said, oh, my gosh, you're wearing Tom's. Uh, have you know the story? Like, this is amazing. There's this guy named Tom. And he's like, my name's not Tom. And he's like, there's this guy named Tom. And if you buy a pair of shoes, then a kid in Africa gets a pair of shoes. Isn't that amazing? And she, he was like, she was telling me my story to my face. And he's like, That's I knew it was going to work because it was so simple. And so if we can find a way, you know, obviously not everything is as simple as like one pair of shoes for one pair of shoes. That is a beautiful, simple message but we can sort of strive to simplify in that way um, and then make sure that the people around us feel like they understand it. You know, whether that's like sitting down and letting everyone tell their version of the story and why they love what they do and trying to incorporate some of those words and those messages. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, but just, you know, make it fun, um, but make sure that those people feel like they own the story just as much as you do. I think, I feel like for schools that it is, it, I'm sure this is important for any, any organization, but for schools, since faculty are interacting with students who are essentially our customers every yeah. day, 
seems like ensuring that your people really understand the story and believe in it and are excited about it uh, is a very important step there. Also, you mentioned TikTok. Yeah, TikTok, well, it's, you have to make sure that's right for your brand, you know, so TikTok right, is right. fun. You know, if your brand is about fun, then you should be there. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe not for schools, you know, <laughs> like you not. have to sort of play that by ear or maybe, you know, it's fun for one teacher, you know, to be on like the fun music teacher, you know, like or something like yeah. that. Yeah, there are a lot of educators using it. I haven't seen a school necessarily use it. Right. Yeah. But, uh, it's more of an individual thing and it's very, it's, it's meant for fun. Um, and so if that makes sense for your brand, then yeah, that's where your people are go where your people are especially if your people are teenagers if that's your audience right, your right. Age, rather than other teachers then yeah go look at the data and see where people are tiktok is huge right now um with teenagers so um so yeah maybe that your your email is you know really geared toward information relaying you know especially when you're talking to parents or talking to other teachers or leaders or things like that but you know if your audience is teenagers i mean that's a whole different ball game so definitely do your research find out where you're you know do some informal or maybe formal surveying and find out okay like what are you using where are you spending time um and just go where yeah. your people are start with the people right in front of you um and in, in independent schools there are uh, you know the organizational side where we're trying to brand our organizations and market for them but then also also independent school leaders and also aspiring leaders are constantly trying to or should be um trying to brand themselves in some way uh whether it's on linkedin or or some other um uh, channel what should people be thinking about when they're thinking about personal brand management versus organizational brand management and is there a difference in the channels that you would recommend using well i mean yeah that plays exactly what we were just talking about like they like who is your audience? Sometimes yeah. that seems like a really simple question, but if you actually stop and especially if you talk with the people who are leading with you, you know, your team, they're like, okay, let's really narrow down who's our real audience here. And that, that might mean you have two or three different audiences. So, you know, as a school, you might have your student audience and you might have your parent audience, but then maybe you have a donor audience. So if you're an independent nonprofit school, you have the people who have given to support your school. And so yeah. to make sure that you are not clumping all of those people together, that you are serving each group well and where they are. Um, and so if, you know, your uh, donor audience uh, is, you know, skews older, which most do, you know, people are getting large amounts of money. It's people who have had time to, you know, gather their resources. Um, and so you <laughs> want to make sure that you're reaching those people, you know, with a really well-crafted email that includes data and story. You know, I'm a storyteller at heart, so there's always a good mix of like, here are our numbers, here's the story, you know, making sure that you're reaching people that way, but then also making sure that you do have a few teachers who are, you know, who are where your students are. But then also, if you have your personal brand, if you are a teacher or you are also, you know, not only a teacher, you're doing other things, you're hosting workshops, or are you creating online courses or things like that? You need to just find out, okay, where is my audience spending time? And where is a place where I can show that I'm trustworthy? What we're after is eliminating confusion and showing that we're trustworthy. And that's when people, you know, really connect with us. Once you have people who believe you, then, you know, that's when you can start saying, okay, I have this thing that really helps me. You should buy it. Um, and so making sure that, you know, the people right in front of you, the people who know your work and already trust you, start with them, find out where they are, then making sure that you're really consistent um, and you don't just like pop into somebody's world and then say something. And then it's six months later and you say something again, <laughs> making sure that, you know, you're really consistently showing up, you know, because 
social media, email, digital media, all of this stuff, those are tools. But what we're here to do is help people. And so if you wouldn't do that to a friend, you know, or somebody you're really trying to help in real life, then, you know, we, we have to apply that to how we spend our time on digital media. So if we're using this as a tool to help people, then we have to show up in a reliable way so that people know that we're not just going to disappear when they need us. And so um, is when you're offering a service, it matters that you are consistent and it matters that your voice and that that's why we go back to those keywords. It matters that your voice stays consistent, um, that those words and the way you describe yourself in your work and how you help people, that that stays consistent. And so people just, it's just about building that trust, building that um, rapport with people. And then, you know, people start to feel like friends. I mean, there are people that, certainly do not know me on the internet, <laughs> but I talk about them like they're my friends all the time. Um, and so when I talk to my friends about them and I tell them how amazing these people are and you know, what incredible work that they do. Um, and we have never met, <laughs> but they have, they have created this sort of atmosphere where I get a little peek into their lives. That's the sort of the beauty of social media. And then professionally, they've shown me that they know what they're talking about and they are going to be consistent with it keeping that in the forefront of your mind, it can go a long way. Um, so it's work. I'm not going to say that it's not hard work to do that, but if you believe in what you're offering, what you're selling or what you're giving um, to people, then this sort of needs to be, okay, this is the way I communicate with people. Digital media is sort of the, the top way that we're communicating right now. And so it matters that we, we show up the same way we would show up in person. I love that. I love that framing, um, thinking about, you know, if you wouldn't do this to your actual friend, then you shouldn't be yeah. doing it online. And then also, <laughs> I mean, the idea... all ignored text messages from friends, but you know, right, like, right. <laughs> but still, you know, we try to be there for each other. And it, it, I think it, you know, it makes our community stronger online. And so it's not just, you know, me following somebody or me liking somebody's Instagram post. We're actually creating community in this space. That's great. I also like that you brought up trust. I mean, I think we've all you know, seen marketing for something that we might actually be interested in, in terms of topic, but it just looks so disingenuous <laughs> that yes. it, it does the opposite of whatever they intended it to do. Just like yes. this person is not trustworthy at all. Yeah. Marketing copy, quote unquote, marketing copy can get a little tiring, you know, like, especially like we're, we've been around the block now, you know, most of us at this point are somewhat digital natives at least, um, and so we've seen a lot of marketing copy. We take in so much information. I mean, we're 2020, like I take an ad after ad after ad all day long. I mean, I spend a lot of time on my social since that's my job, but like it is just a lot of information that's being thrown at you. And so we've become pretty savvy at sort of seeing through quickly whether somebody can be trusted yeah. or not. Um, yeah. So taking time to actually, you know, I don't want to like throw out this word because it, you know, sometimes it's the word authentic, you know, also doesn't feel authentic sometimes, but <laughs> the idea of being your true self in really saying, okay, this is what I have to offer the world. This is what I'm really great at. This is the skill set I've built. And I think it's important for the people around me. And so how can I share this with people and what's it worth, you know, assigning a real value to what you bring to the table. And then, you know, just being very honest um, and forthright with who you are. I mean, also that's the journalist in me. If we tell a real story, um, then yeah, of course people, they want to find out more. That's great. And in some ways it seems like nonprofits and, and in this case schools might even have an easier time of doing that since they really, you know, in theory are doing really meaningful, great work. <laughs> so yes. hopefully yeah, there are so many amazing that. stories. That's why I started Dallas Doing Good is because I was like, there are so many more stories out there 
you know, uh, my co-founder, Jan, we sat in her living room and she said, there are so many people I know who are out in the world um, and they have said, this is what I'm dedicating my life to. This is the cause that I'm going to go and, and do for the rest of my life. You know, I'm going to spend all my time and energy here and we don't hear their stories. And when you hear somebody's real authentic story and you find out why they're doing the thing that they do, it, it's like instant connection. It's the best work. And so yeah, nonprofits, they have these stories all over the place, the people they're impacting, the volunteers who work with them, you know, everyone who's on their staff has this sort of backstory about why they've decided to dedicate themselves to this kind of work. It's really interesting content. Like, uh, we are definitely not taking advantage of it as much as we could. That is really cool. Um, just what you were talking about with Dallas doing good. That's really neat. That's a, it's awesome that you're able to highlight the work that's being done. So yeah, cool. It's the most fun. I love it. I have a permanent excuse for somebody to tell me their life story, which is my dream as a journalist. <laughs> uh, we, we talked about communicating across different communication channels. There's a lot of different communication channels out there. And I know there, there's got to be tools to help do that. Could you talk uh, for a few minutes just about how to manage all of that communication? Oh yeah, it is, it is a beast, but I will say if you take some time, everyone eventually finds sort of their own rhythm and workflow. You have to sort of test a lot of tools and find out what makes sense for your channels, what makes sense for how you personally work. There's so many options, but I will tell you just sort of my personal, <laughs> my personal workflow, how I do it. Maybe it'll be helpful to some people. I typically when I'm doing my job right, <laughs> start with a spreadsheet, um, like a normal, like Google Docs, Google Sheets spreadsheet. And I do just the day of the week down the side. And I put my channels across the top and I start thinking about just some loose planning. Like what kinds of things do I want to talk about? You know, what, what's coming up in the next few weeks? What's coming up in the next few months? And start sort of just planning out like a loose guideline of what you want to do. Sometimes I'll encourage uh, my clients to put not an external theme, like you don't want to be like, this, you know, every month is thankful, thankful month, you know, um, <laughs> but sort of a loose internal theme, like, okay, this month, we're really going to focus on this part of our work. Um, just to start, again, with the creative constraints, because there's so like with a whole school, you would have so much, so many options of things you could talk about. So just sort of to give yourself some guidelines and just start planning things out how they make sense to you on a spreadsheet, not like writing your exact copy necessarily for every single post on your spreadsheet. Um, and then I like to choose this is, I'm sort of quirky like this, but I have an automated posting platform that I used for my, that I use for my Instagram and Twitter. My favorite right now is later. It's really great. It, you can do it for Facebook and Twitter together. Um, but then for Facebook and LinkedIn, I use native posting. So in Facebook, when you have like your own page or your own company in Facebook, you can schedule things ahead of time within Facebook's native platform. Um, and Facebook really likes when you do this. Facebook is not a fan of third-party platforms. And I have seen a significant difference in the algorithm reports. You know, oh, wow. if you use a third-party platform to post versus actually posting within native scheduling in Facebook. And then for LinkedIn, sort of similar results um, because they're sort of built because they want you to be on their platform. They want you to be there spending time. And so um, I typically will build out posts in later for Instagram. And then I will copy my things over to Facebook and then I will rework them. I'll tweak them because obviously tags and hashtags 
um, are different and links, you know, you can't have links on, on Instagram, but you can on Facebook, you know, there's sort of like all these little tiny differences and you can see the difference. Like if somebody has their um, Instagram auto pushing to their Facebook, and it's like the little at symbol in somebody's name and there's no <laughs> hyperlink to it. You know, you're like, well, I feel like you don't care about me on Facebook, you know, <laughs> maybe that's just me being overly emotional about it and taking it too personally. But I'm like, okay, well, you didn't take the time to actually craft this message for this audience here on Facebook. And most of the time, you know, I'm looking across my accounts. These are different people. It's not the same people on Facebook and Instagram. These are, you know, maybe somewhat overlapping, but separate audiences. So again, like showing up for your people, show up for your people and, you know, format it correctly. Like make your links work, you know, um, don't say see link in bio and then push it to Facebook. And you're like, what bio? <laughs> like there's no bio on Facebook. I've totally done that by accident. So yeah, it, it's a couple extra minutes. Um, it's basically the same content. Larger organizations can get really strategic and gritty and say like, okay, we're complete, making completely different content strategies for each channel. But most nonprofits, they, you don't need that uh, kind of strategy. You can do the same content, but make sure it's formatted for the platform, whatever you're doing, that it makes sense for where you're posting and the people you're posting it for. So just those little tweaks make a big difference. And then for email, right now I'm using MailerLite. And it's my favorite right now. So MailChimp is sort of standard. MailChimp is fine, great. If you're already using it, keep on keeping on. Um, but MailerLite has a few more designy kind of things that I love. It has some more options as far as templates and layouts and how you can build out an email. And also um, in the paid version has a really cool feature where if you um, send out an email and then whoever doesn't open your email, you can have it sent it send that email again like two or three days later and wow, say like hey quick reminder you looks like you missed this email and it really helps with those open rates so mailer light is my favorite right now for email so check it out if you haven't picked one yet or if you're it actually took about five minutes to transfer from mailchimp don't tell all the mailchimp people um but it was <laughs> i'm sure they're lovely and then if you need a like a CRM or like you know a way to manage all of those contacts that you're building, especially if you're out in the public and you're meeting people and you know going to networking events and then coming back and like trying to make sure that everyone's on your email list, <laughs> it really helps to have like an actual third-party CRM on the back end. Um, so you can like write notes about where you met people and what their kids' names are and you know those kind of things. And what I love about Better Unite, first, it's free. It was built specifically for nonprofits, but you know, it's not, you don't have to like show your 501c3 to have it. Um, but actually my friend Leah built it. She's out of Austin. She and her husband run it and she built it because she loves nonprofits. And so um, it's free to use. And then there's an events platform that's super robust. And um, the only way that Better Unite's making any money is a little tip box when people buy tickets to your event. So um, it's my favorite tool right now. It has been for several years. They've added tons of features in the last couple years. And so if you're just sort of needing, you know, and it's lovely because for their events, like um, for like Eventbrite and things, you lose a percentage of your ticket sales. But with Better Unite, you do not lose a percentage. So if you're going to do in-person events or you're meeting people at networking events and sort of need like a home base for all your contacts, check out Better Unite. And I gave, I gave you guys a link. I'm going to send it to you. So you have it uh, to put in the show notes so people can get all these, right? Awesome. We'll definitely do that. Yeah. Perfect. That sounds really cool. I, I will definitely look into Better Unite as well. It sounds really great. Yeah. Um, so you shared some, some great 
information on clarifying your message. Um, the idea of a sticky message is going to be stuck in my head for a while. I love oh, that. <laughs> but then, then we talked about, you know, communicating through channels. Uh, when it comes to creating content to communicate, do you have any advice or strategies on how to turn your message into content uh, to push through your channels? Yeah. So this is actually where a lot of people get stuck where they're like, I, I think I know who I am and what I'm doing, but how do I actually create like daily content or like people get really mad at me because they're like, how much, how often should I be posting on Facebook? And I'm like six days a week <laughs> and they're mad at me because, <laughs> because they don't want to come up with six posts a week. Cause that feels like a lot, but definitely go back to this idea of a monthly theme that really helps say, okay, like for this month, we're going to be doing, you know, you get, 12 topics and there's your whole year. And then you break down that topic into four chunks. Uh, and then you have four weeks <laughs> and then you can break those down even farther. And then um, I really like this idea of sort of mixing and matching some ideas. So you have, you know, all of the things that you do as an organization, you have the events that you're putting on or different pieces of content that you're trying to share this video that you want people to watch. And then you sort of mix and match it with all the different types of content. So you can have like a regular like photo and caption, or you can do like a fun list, or you can do a survey, or you can, you know, ask people to tag a friend. There's all the different ways. And this is, you know, sort of where you can sort of watch what other people are doing and the different types of posts that people are using. And then sort of mix and match up, you know, the way that you put out content um, and what you guys have going on. Um, and sort of just make some lists at the top of that big spreadsheet I was talking about. Just make a big list and say, okay, these are all the things, all the calls to action, the CTAs, you know, that I'm asking people to take, um, whether that's liking a post or donating or signing up for this event, um, and then mix and match it with, you know, some of those content themes and then the different types of content. And then it's, a, again, we're trying to, you know, alleviate decision fatigue like that is what kills social media content management <laughs> um, and so we are really after trying to make it you know just more like a puzzle that you're putting together rather than like creating something from scratch every day and then um, if you can get away you know for a few hours either once a week or for a longer chunk once a month and plan out we call it evergreen content you know that it's content that sort of makes sense you know it doesn't it's not so tied to a date or an event and go ahead and just get a lot of that kind of content planned out and maybe even scheduled out, like completely done, ready to go. And then you can fill in with real-time content sort of in between those evergreen posts. It sort of alleviates this like, oh my gosh, I have to like, it's five o'clock and I haven't posted anything today. Like we don't want to run into that feeling because <laughs> that is what people like makes people mad at social media. Yeah, we do not stressful. want your life revolving around your social media. You know, we want you to be like with your family and your friends, you know, and like actually doing things, um, taking pictures of your food for Instagram, you know, like that's what we want you doing. And so uh, we try to get ahead of it a little bit, just doing that big picture planning. And then if you have, if you're like, a little team. I have a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm going to find like a graphic design intern and I'm going to make them do my social media for me. <laughs> and I'm like, if you're going to find an intern, find someone who's in a journalism or English program. You want to find your best writer, not your best designer. Um, mm. Design can be taught. Like I'm, I'm both, you know, I'm a self-taught designer, but I have a journalism degree and design can be taught, especially now with tools like Canva. I didn't mention Canva earlier. Oh, but, Canva's amazing. Oh my gosh, please. I use, I'm a designer and I still use Canva because it's just <laughs> easier. And so go ahead and find somebody who's a strong writer, somebody who has their grammar down, you know, somebody who knows your message and your keywords and understands what you're after and somebody who can tell a story. 
if you're going to find someone else to be working with you or helping you write copy, like be on the lookout or like, okay, like that person or like follow other people's personal, uh, you know, social media channels and be like, oh my gosh, they're such a good copywriter. Like I need them on my team. And so if you're scouting for other people, don't look for designers unless they're like a super talented illustrator, you know, I'll make exceptions for illustrators, but, um, but look for people who like have a really strong grasp on writing copy because it goes so, so far in everything that you're doing. Yeah, that, that's great advice. I mean, finding people who can write well, in theory, we'd like to think everyone can write well, right? It's like a basic skill, but man, yes. some people are just so good at it. Uh, yes. it's, it's great. And some people are good like team. technical writers, you know, but they're not great yeah. storytellers. Yeah. Um, so be on the lookout, you know, especially if you're going to bring on like an intern or someone to help you find those people who, you know, can tell a story. You know, I love your idea of the, the spreadsheet, the Google Sheet or Excel doc or whatever to organize yourself and just the focus on trying not to, not to let social media be this huge source of anxiety. I mean, it's really easy to look at people who do it really well online and to think that they're just sitting on their phone all day, like typing these you know, different things out when in reality, they probably planned it all out. They're probably doing something else, relaxing on the couch <laughs> and it's all just taking care of itself with auto posting and stuff. But it's easy to get really stressed, I think. Um, yeah, I so. will say one caveat that I did not mention to the whole auto posting game, which again, auto post, auto post, do it for sure, do it. But if you are asking somebody a question in your post and you're expecting people to sort of comment and respond, like schedule that for a time that you're willing to sort of be on your phone, res like replying mm, to yeah, those responses. Good. From the algorithm side of things, that first 15 minutes after you post, whatever responses you get in that first 15 minute chunk um, is going to sort of set your algorithm for how Facebook or Instagram especially shares it through the rest of the feed. So if it gets a ton of response in those first, like in that first chunk, in that first 15 minutes, you want to make sure that you're there like responding to people and being like, yeah, that's great. I'm so glad you said that. And like, you know, and really being yeah. there and encouraging people because it makes a huge difference. And also that is something else to be thinking about with timing is like, when are my people active on social media? So it's a lot of testing. It's a lot of trial and error to find out, okay, like when does it really make sense for me to be sharing my content? I want to do it when the people that I'm reaching are active. So if you are reaching students, don't be posting it at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday because hopefully students are not looking at their phones at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. I know I'm saying that not as a teacher, right? They totally are on their phones at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, aren't they? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm sure but, they uh, are, but they shouldn't yes. be. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember I went and spoke in a fifth grade classroom a couple years ago and everyone had phones and I got real scared. <laughs> that is scary. Fifth grade's <laughs> young for everyone to have phones. Years old. Like, oh my gosh, why do you have phones <laughs> in this classroom? I was so worried. Um, also because I have an eight-year-old and I'm like, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, making sure that you're thinking about just strategically, it's not, you know, a huge decision, but think about, okay, when are my people going to be most active and willing to respond to these questions and action steps I'm asking them to take? Thank you so much for that. I mean, that's really good information. And I think in a lot of ways, that's like the hard part, like figuring out how to uh, actually create content. So yes, it is. But again, it's all about stories. Like how can we tell real stories about who we are and what we're doing and what really matters to people? And uh, a little bit of like steal like an artist kind of thing, you know, like mm -hmm. you really like go and and find out what other people are doing that's working. Like who are other people in your network that are doing great 
you know, in your same space that are doing great work, that are putting out engaging content. Maybe it's not, you know, they don't have 10,000 Instagram followers or whatever, but, you know, but they're just putting out good things that are meaningful to people. Find out what those things are and then, you know, put your own spin on it, you know, and try it out. So uh, the last kind of technical question I have, you, have for you, what did I not ask you that I should have? You're, um, the, you're the expert here. So what should I, I have like asked you? We covered you? a lot. <laughs> we did. We did. Um, I mean, for me, it, it really comes back to creating like a really strong community of leaders where you can share ideas with each other and especially like leaders from other sectors. So I'm, you know, it, you know, very much in this nonprofit sector, like my whole life is nonprofit work, but to have some other women who are in the business sector, who are in like a corporate environment or have some women who are, you know, in this, you know, like craft space in this maker creative space, you know, and to have, you know, just other people with other different kinds of perspectives and voices has really been helpful to me. So I don't get very like siloed in my own thoughts and just sort of you know, move forward, you know, without getting any kind of feedback, like to have those kind of communities, like whatever that looks like, if it's, you know, um, or you're using, you know, some kind of online platform, or you're building out a Facebook group, or you're meeting at a coffee shop once a month with some other people, you know, just building out that community to be like, okay, I just need some feedback. So you, you know, keeps your creativity going. So uh, I like to ask everyone who's on the show, uh, what should we be reading? And what should we be listening to? Mm, okay. I take in a lot of information. Um, so I just finished reading Beginner's Pluck by Liz Bohannon. She started Seco Designs. She has a great story. I actually went to her book launch here in Dallas and I was so happy I got to meet her and I just finished the book and I was blown away. I want to give it to everyone. So, you know, whether you are you know, starting something right now, or you've like been a part of that like startup mode of an organization, like you are totally going to resonate with what she's saying. And she also is really big on this idea of like curiosity and just asking questions and not having to have it all together to get started. Um, so I loved that book. I just start, so I put that down and I just picked up Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, which is already good because Brene Brown can do no wrong. I'm convinced. <laughs> um, and so just this idea of like, okay, what are other leaders thinking? And, you know, what does it look like to sort of step outside and look at leadership from um, a sky high view? So what about things to listen to? Okay. I listened to a bazillion podcasts. Okay. My favorite one that's brand new is called The Good List by Tish Oxenreiter. And she is hysterical and also just very practical. And so her entire podcast is just based off of telling you a very short little podcast episode about things that she loves. And like the episode from this week was just her talking about her local library and how much she loves her local <laughs> library. Awesome. Or it's like a new app that she really likes or a book or an experience. And it's just sort of like a peek into her world, but she's just sharing like really personal, lovely curated reviews of things. And so it's great. It's a great example of short, meaningful content. American History Tellers. I was surprised that I loved this podcast as much as I do. And it is historical events told from a bystander's perspective. So they do like the whole story, but they sort of make up like this sort of fictional side story to go alongside the historical story. Like the person who was like, 
putting together, you know, the safety bags for the NASA launch during the space race. You know, they tell it from his perspective, oh, wow. cool. you know, and so it's like someone like super side, side, side to the story. Um, <laughs> and, but it's just really, it's really well produced. Lindsey Graham is hosting. It's beautiful. Um, so they did, you know, the civil rights movement they did the space race and like, it's just super interesting. If you're like, just great storytelling, another, I listen to a lot of food podcasts. I love food podcasts, <laughs> um, but my They're favorite great. is is Splendid Table by Francis Lamb, and again, fantastic storytelling. Like I think my favorite podcast episode of the entire year for last year was a, a Splendid Table episode where they just talked to a mother and daughter who were making uh, Iranian rice in their kitchen, and it was just oh wow, it was crazy. I didn't expect to be so sucked in and it was just so beautiful the way it's produced and the way they do their stories and the way they interview people and talk to them about their culture and their food well worth your time cool so mary what do you think the next big thing in brand management will be oh i'm so bad at predicting because i'm always afraid i'm going to be wrong (laughs) well that's okay (laughs) but things i'm actually seeing happen right now like i don't even really have to predict these things because i can see this movement is people moving toward this smaller niche kind of audience where it isn't the same like incredible force to like reach the millions of people um but people putting more again going back to that trust like can we find somebody who has maybe 7000 followers but those 7000 followers really trust this person and creating like really like these niche spaces where people are um are sort of at home and they have like their tribe, you know, don't, don't, don't despair at your small beginnings here because I think those are really effective and your people are engaged. That's what we're after. It's not the number, it's the engagement that we're really after. Again, talking about like that move from social into email. And then there's this, you haven't seen it yet. Uh, people are doing a lot of things with Substack. So that's another platform that's really blowing up right now um, where people are doing like these curated email newsletters and then actually people are allowed to pay for them, which is brilliant because I'm like, yes, please pay people for their creative work. (laughs) And so Substack has been fantastic, especially for people who are individual writers um, or individual content content creators. I'm really excited about that. That's great. I love Substack. We actually, this podcast also has a newsletter. We, We don't charge for the newsletter. We use Substack for that as well. I love it. It's a great platform. Yeah. It's perfect. Like they put so much thought into that platform and they really listen to the people who are using it. Um, and I've just seen some really beautiful work come out of Substack. Um, I'm thinking about transitioning some people over to it actually. Um, <laughs> well, and, and it's then, beautiful, but it's simple. It's so yes, easy to use. It's so easy. <laughs> I'm like, yay for good user interface. That's all we all need more of in our yes. lives. And then this idea of instead of like selling more products, can we share more experiences with people. Um, This idea of, okay, we don't, less clutter, less consumerism, more experience, more connection. Um, And that's maybe just more cultural shift that's happening. But I mean, it matters to what we're doing in digital media. You know, are we trying to sell, sell, sell products and things? Or are we, you know, even in the nonprofit space, like, are we like, giving out thank you like what do we give as thank you gifts do we give people like more water bottles with logos on them (laughs) or do we give people experiences that they can remember you know so it's just something to be thoughtful about when you're saying okay like what do i do about stuff you know but i think people are saying like i want the memories i want to like 
be out with people in community and be experiencing the same things together with them. That's great. I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast. Yeah, this move, actually, I just spent all this time talking about digital media, but now really like, let's talk about the move away from digital media. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's really great. Well, uh, how can people further connect with you and what services do you offer that our listeners might be interested in? So you can find uh, my, all my contact information, what I do personally at liftyourgood.com. That's sort of my consulting website. So I love to do consulting for, again, smaller nonprofits, you know, brand management. I'll, every once in a while I design a logo or a website for people, but most of my uh, focus right now is on Dallas Doing Good. That's my pet project right now, what we're building out here in North Texas. And you can go to dallasdoinggood.com if you want to see what people in Texas are up to and sort of the nonprofit scene that's happening here. And you can follow both of those things at Lift Your Good and Dallas Doing Good on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for talking with us today. It's been, it's been wonderful. I've learned a ton and I, I really appreciate it as always. Yeah, this was great. I love having these kind of conversations. Thank you for listening to the Full Stack Educator Podcast. We hope that today's conversation helped you grow as an independent school leader. Be sure to check out our show notes for links to resources mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate it, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Episodes of this podcast are released bi-weekly. You can follow and engage with Matt McGee and Michael Amusio on LinkedIn.